Hi, this is Levi. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to take a quick minute to introduce a few of the other podcasts in the WCF Podcast Network. Tom and Naomi are exploring how we interact in our ecclesial relationships in From the Platform. It's a very in-depth series that is incredibly helpful for understanding and developing compassion and better listening practices. That's From the Platform. Sam Taylor from Cleveland, Ohio, produces weekly devotionals in Pause to Consider. Think uh, Mr. Rogers meets uh, Fireside Chat. I love Sam's humble style and think every episode is fantastic. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or on our website at wcfoundation.org. Now, here's the show. Welcome back to A Little Faith. I'm really excited today to be interviewing Cam. Cam Beeler is the, you're one of the WCF directors and you are the head of the Whitefields program. What's your definition of what Whitefields is, Cam? So my starting definition of Whitefields is a coordinated effort between volunteers and between uh, mission hubs around the world. It, it It's intended uh, both to support active preaching activity around the world that's, that's very well organized uh, with volunteers that can complement that effort. Yeah. And, and really the objective is to provide a framework that will allow us to become active, engaged, you know, in spiritual yeah. affairs worldwide. So I, um, you and I both have uh, gone on mission trips sponsored by Whitefields. That's one piece of table setting we need to do. Uh, you and your family went to South Africa and my wife and I went to India. We went in 2010 uh, to India. And what, what years were you in South Africa? We left in 2009 and we returned in 2014. Wow. Yeah. Five years. Crazy. Uh, and then the other piece of table setting is I have been working or volunteering for WCF, you know, doing things like this, like the podcast for about a year and a half, but over the last month or so have transferred over to the Whitefields team. So we've been working together. And uh, one of the things that our goal is, uh, is to attract more volunteers, you know, more people to raise their hand and say they'd like to go to one of our mission hubs and help and do good work. So what we're going to talk about today, and I'm excited, is we're getting the the top three reasons for someone to go on an overseas mission trip. So this it was a really good discussion ahead of time as we were prepping for this. <laughs> so I'm excited to get some of this going. So when we talk about our top three, I want to keep in context that the mission hubs that we're connected with around the world are well-organized. Um, they have very specific uh, objectives, you know, both in preaching and humanitarian work. And they have a lot of good work that really um, needs volunteers to come in and, and be a complement to their on-the-ground missions. And we have a variety of different missions and flavors of missions, some that are really good for beginners and some that are really good for mature, experienced preachers, teachers, and volunteers. So I just wanted to say that when we get into the top three, it's it's backdropped against we we have a very specific view of places that they can go that would be of value to them. Yeah, and those are India and South Africa, like from our experience, but also Cambodia and the Philippines. And we have a couple others that we're developing as far as yeah, growing uh, into into new hubs. But those those are the four uh, existing programs. And and to be to underline the point of this podcast is we need help. We need volunteers. Okay. So if you are listen, if you're listening to this, we are trying to convince you 
to, you know, when, when the pandemic is over, when international travel is an option again, to take a trip of even a, even a short trip in some cases, but ideally six, you know, six months, a year, two, two years, something like that. If, if you can find uh, the time in your life story and, and we need your help. So um, I think it's very clear uh, that, and, and, and Whitefields has helped make it this way, that the pinch point for international mission trips and really, you know, for the growth of, of our beliefs is, uh, is manpower. It's not dollars, it's not opportunity, um, it's not places. It is. It is manpower. So absolutely, that is absolutely that right. Help. Again, if you're listening to this or reading this and thinking someone else can do it, no, this this is definitely the, the the part where we need the most help. You know, even even more than your dollars, we need your time. So um, we said get a brand new worldview, and also meet amazing people doing amazing things. And I think those go hand in hand. So that's number three. What does it mean to you to get a new worldview? So when I went to South Africa, I, I met a lot of very mature brother and sister that had programs in place, unlike anything I'd been involved in. Um, and the cultures were different. And really, in the communities, the responsiveness to God and his word and wanting to know about the truth were completely different than what I'd experienced in the States. And my worldview right. up to that point was that we were, you know, in a, in a community of people that they just not interested, right? Everybody's right. got their book. And, and yeah. you know, it was kind of the prevailing idea that, yeah, you can read the Bible and I can read the Bible, but we'll all be happy with our own, you know, our own beliefs. And um, it seemed a lot less about searching for truth and a lot more about being happy with where we are. And, and I kind of just thought that was normal everywhere. Mm-hmm. But what I discovered is it's not. It's not the right. truth everywhere you go. And there are places that are just, people are dying to know what the Bible says. And, and for me, it was a huge discovery to find out that if I could show the word from the word, that people would come to me from all over the place to learn. And that was amazing. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's totally true. Also, for me, it, it is this kind of traditional idea that you, we all, no matter how old we are, kind of grow up in a very specific culture or and kind of routine. Uh, we see only a certain amount of things. I mean, when I, in India, I've changed my life in a in a hundred ways. But one one of them was definitely like, oh, this is. Um, some people, you know, ride to work on a motorcycle with three people on their back, or you know, whatever. Like, there's a there's entirely different days that people have. Um, but then at the same time, at that, and I think this was a failure in my immaturity for sure, but. At that same time, those people who live so differently have the same uh, everlasting concerns, same spiritual concerns, right? And, I, and I've told this story a few times, but w- there's a specific moment where I was in a hut, and this is in a, one of the outer villages in India, and I'm in a, a full-on hut on a, on a dirt floor and was stumped by a question by the person who's asking, who's asking questions of the Bible. And I had this thought, I had this white savior Thinking that I, you know, I'm an I'm an A plus Sunday school student my whole life. I'm going to go here and be able to uh, show people the truth of the Bible, and right. was just completely set back by a person with an entirely different life story than me. Right? right, but but unified on a searching for truth in the Word. We met each other coming from these completely different paths, and yeah, so I mean that that stays with you forever, and, and that expansion of your worldview of your own mind is so important. Just a huge change that can help, that can happen to you. I agree. And, and I think that uh, I've heard this story from different people. 
Mm-hmm. I went there thinking that I was, you know, I think it's, we call it the great white hope, you know, conversation. There's right. a yep. predominance of this thinking that, you know, white people go and save people. And I think there was an element of that in my, in my thinking as well, that, you know, I need to go help save people. Um, and I think we shared this before. Um, when, when I got there, I started to realize that these weren't targets of my preaching, but these were real life people. And I would walk mm-hmm. down the hillside and in the same hut conversation, right? People that are, that are, they're surviving and they're making it day to day, but they have the same hopes and desires, aspirations, the desire for life. And, and very often a desire to know about God and to have a real hope that's more than just today and tomorrow. And, and I began to realize that one of the things God wanted me to discover was that they're all just me with a different story and a little different environment and they're real people and he loves them. And what God is inviting me to do is to connect, not, not to come and deliver from above, but to become a participant with them and and with every person. And that, that really, really, really changed my whole view of what God is really, you know, driving us, you know, to do, to, who do we need to become? Right. So let's let's transition into our second one we we wrote down, which was personal growth or discovery. I think that's kind of what we're talking about. That this this you know traveling to an entirely different country, entirely different culture, you're going to have a level of personal growth. And I think we all do want that. We want that at any age. We want to you know we want to be growing and getting better. Um, so yeah, talk about how international mission trips can do that oh, yeah. to you. So. Uh, First of all, the, the standard thinking, I'm going to contrast this with the U.S. A lot of times we talk about, you know, going and doing something. And a lot of times people just presume it's going to be preaching from the pulpit or praying. Or, But when you're doing mission work, it, it can be so many things, right? And it's not, it's not right. a white male thing. It's an anybody. It's a, it's a female, a male. It can be any color or any race. There's a lot of things we, we get involved with. One of the things I found is there's really a very open freedom to participate and contribute for the welfare of, you know, whatever locale you're in and, and you do it in teams. And so, so I found that when I went to South Africa, I could, I could either join a very directed group of folks that had, you know, a series of jobs they could be involved with, or I could be, you know, self-directed and doing that, I got involved in a handful of different things. And, so the long and the short of it is I discovered things that really were, it was like I was called into them and I was completely unaware that that was a specific thing that, that God was drawing me into. And, and so how that translates in the end was that I began to get a vision of what it is I need to be doing in the body. And I have a vision of the things I don't need to be doing in the body, right? Things right. that I was saying, this is for you. This is not for you. And I didn't have that in the States. Um, right. And I do now, and I and I talk about that with you know with a lot of people, but it gave me clear direction for me on the on what I need to be doing and how I need to be involved and where I contribute in the in the body. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you got to that place because that was where I was kind of starting in my head. I feel like it. I feel like I I thought I knew what my talents were, kind of what my skills were, but man, going into that lifestyle of kind of doing mission work or all day, every day, right? So you you no longer yeah. have a divided focus, no school, no work, right? It's like, no, my, my work is my also my own spirituality in a way. My work is spreading the good news 
all day, right? And it, right. so your actual like ecclesial life expands just by hours. So you have you, you just put a lot more hours into what if, whatever your you know your ministry, which as you have uh, uh, whatever it was when you were at home. And so now with all these new hours, I found oh this is what I'm actually good at, and this is what I'm actually not so good at. Right. <laughs> and because before that, it was a part time job. Right. It's a part time job at home. And when you're abroad, it's your full time job. And there's a very different uh, learning of what my spiritual skills are specifically. It, it helps you find, you know, we, we talk about spirit gifts and there's a couple of different places where, you know, people are using that in different ways. But but yeah. what it really does is it teaches you the part of the body you're supposed to be. And, and that may grow yeah. and adapt a little over time. But there's nothing like coming back to the States and saying, these are the things that I've been given to do and I'm good mm-hmm. at them. And I know how I'm growing and developing. I know how I fit in a community. And sometimes we're called to do more than just what we're these skills that God is equipping us with. But the other thing is I, I actually left with the part-time ecclesial view and I came back with my whole life is this, it, it doesn't matter yes, if I'm yeah. an architect you know, at work or if I'm a, you know, programmer or whatever I, my roles were, I always have God's active pursuit of preaching in ministry and everything I do. Yeah. Jess and I talked about that, that actually a foreign missionary, like being a missionary is a mindset and you learn it from living it every day. And then it's when you come home, you can just, well, I have to decide, am I a missionary today or am I an insurance salesman? You know, it's kind of a, because you can, you can be a missionary who is also doing insurance sales, right? That's, that's, that's what right. I do. So but you can't really, it, it, you know, you can't be it to that level if it is your part-time job. Right. Um, so my number one reason, we had kind of a division on what our, what our number one reasons were. So my number one reason, it was to see truly effective preaching. And what I, what I mean is in the States, I and mean, I grew up, and we would do preaching campaigns or seminars and you and just the results right are not there and when i went to india and i know it from from stories of other of our outreach in other countries is you fill the room you get crowds you get people who are interested right you can do you can do a bible class every night and you're going to get new people every night and that is really powerful and i think what i wanted when i when i left i wanted to see you know, I wanted to to feel like what we were saying and what our message was, was being heard and being received and being responded to. And that is absolutely true. I mean, you know, the fields are white for harvest mm-hmm. there in at the end of Mark is is a true statement, right? That's a true, there is, there are people who want to hear, um, you kind of said in the beginning. So that to me was my number one reason, because I think that was, that was a big motivator for me as I, I'd kind of heard, oh, if you go here, you know, people are are going to want to listen, but had never experienced that growing up in California and Absolutely. the United States. Well, and, and what was Jesus saying when he says the fields are white for har- ripe for harvest, but, right? And this goes back to your very first mm-hmm. point, but the workers are few. This, this is not new, right? right? This, is, this is why we're saying, hey, right. we want to help sponsor. You, you don't have to earn all the money and save up for 10 years. and go, we want, White Fields wants to sponsor you. And we didn't say that at the beginning. We will yeah. pay your expenses to go and do this if you right. will give us the one thing that's invaluable and that's your time to go and do this. Yes. And we will right. work with you to find the place where there's an amazing community that's suitable for you. And what you'll find is the fields are ripe, you know, ready for the harvest. People want to know the truth. They just need you to go. And, right. you know, will you go? Yeah. And I guess that's 
that's that's huge right. but that's not a new problem that's been the problem even from the days of jesus but there are just not enough people to get up mm-hmm. and go yeah. um well i was just going to pass it to you on what we, what your number one was you had a different number one than me but if you have any thoughts on on seeing effective preaching i love it we uh we used to talk about we'd have a monday morning meeting uh during you know during my mission time and every monday morning we started having this conversation about god moments and a God moment was when something happened that was too, it, it couldn't be circumstantial. It was, it was, it was too well-timed for the sequence of things that were happening to be dismissed as anything other than God's hand at work. And what we started realizing is that when we started having the, the regular Monday uh, God moment discussion with all of the volunteers, and at one time we had about 15 that were there for an extended period of time, that we began to realize that there were a lot of things going on that couldn't just be circumstance. It was, it was way too, you know, I said this earlier, people often say, well, you know, uh, God works in mysterious ways. And I'm like, sometimes they're not mysterious, sometimes visual and, and obvious. And I think all of the people that I was there with, you know, came looking to see how they could serve God and how they could help others but we all kind of came to this place where we're recognizing that God has prepared these works in advance for us to do. And if we just paid a little attention, we could see where he was drawing us. And then we could see his hand at work. And we began to realize that God moments are happening all around us all the time. We're just not seeing them. So the number one thing for me is that God has helped attune my vision to recognize his active hand in my life. And that has had a profound effect on my faith. Mm. Yeah, you said before, and I wrote this down because I loved it so much, knowing that God was active. You, you know, when, when you went there, you knew God was active. Like you, you could read and see, yes, God says he's active, but actually seeing the active hand of God was what was your yeah. number one reason for why why someone should go abroad. And I, that's a very powerful idea that yes, we, we can... Uh, academically know that God is active, but to, to realistically experience the, the active work of God is profound. I think easy. Yeah, definitely profound. Definitely. And I think easier to learn again, when you are devoting your whole time and mind and energy to his work in places that need it. Absolutely. I think everybody I know would, would say at some point, I wish he would just say something to me, mm. but what if you felt him literally move? You yeah. Know? There are things I could tell you, but until you go and do it yourself, yep. you have that experience and then you go, yeah, that was God right there. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Cam. I think uh, I definitely, we would love to hear from anyone, both of us, if you, if you are considering you and your, and your spouse or you alone are considering some time uh, or you and your family are considering some time abroad, please get in touch with us. Uh, we'd love to tell you more about um, our mission hubs and more about things you can do. You know, we'd love to to you know, encourage you to to do it, to take this jump if you can. So please, please get in touch with us. I would say there's the one thing we didn't talk about um, in, sure. in that group of three favorite things, and that's that we actually have a strategic model for our our preaching hubs, and that's that we we really want to touch the lives of people mm-hmm. and. What that does is it creates opportunities as you invest in relationship with real people, you know, where, where they are. It creates opportunity to then explain to them why we're doing it, right? 
Right. And, and God loves us and he's given us these opportunities and these freedoms to go in and become part of a community to then explain to them that the reason we're doing this is because just like God loves us, he loves you yes. and he wants you and his family. And, and we refer to that as the touch and teach model. I don't know if there's a better right. terminology, but I mm-hmm. get it. We, we people's lives and it creates opportunities for us to speak the truth of God's word to them. And, right. uh, I find that to be a, a truly enabling model, and it's a model that Jesus demonstrated for mm. preaching. Mm. So, thank you again for your time. And as I said, please, uh, please get in touch with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, thank you, Levi. I appreciate it, and God bless everybody. <laughs>